when did I la la la? I don't remember that at all. You did. You la la la. You were you had like messed up what you were saying and had started over, and and it's it was adorable. Uh, Marco oh. will find it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not mad about it. I just don't recall having done it. That's I don't remember it either. Um. Okay. Let's uh, <clears throat> lock it up. La la la. For the second consecutive week, I think I'm the only one with follow up, which is kind of freaking me out a little bit well john and i are just perfect now we no, just no one can challenge us on anything no i was gonna put the same thing in but you beat me to it so i just let you do it so thank thanks thanks i think <laughs> anyway uh sorry to tread on your follow-up sir um so anyway uh so there is a podcast by a german fellow whose name i don't have in front of me because i make the worst show notes in the world chris marquardt was very nice to talk about us on his photography podcast, Tips from the Top Floor. It was episode 748. Um, it was about halfway through the episode, give or take some. So uh, we'll put an overcast link in the show notes as well. Wait, wait, wait. Are we just gonna we're just gonna glide right by episode 748 of a podcast? Well, I mean, it's impressive. 748. That is the highest podcast episode number I've ever seen in my life. Oh, they go way higher than that. So what? I mean, obviously, I don't listen to the right kind of shows. What kind of shows? I guess daily shows go over over the hundreds. I don't listen to any daily podcasts. Sure. I mean, yeah, obviously, anything daily that lasts for more than a few years. But also, like, you'd be surprised how many podcasts out there publish more than one episode a day. Um, usually, really? these are usually these are these are things that are just dumped off of radio broadcasts. So you'll have oh, like yeah. you'll have like you know radio broadcast of today hour one hour two hour three hour four as four different episodes in the podcast Oy. well i don't listen to those kind of podcasts but anyway uh, this is not that kind of podcast though i don't know that anybody listens to those kind of podcasts but lots of people publish them yeah no, oh, that's weird. So anyway, so on 748, episode 748 of uh, Chris Marquardt's uh, podcast, uh, Photography Tips from the Top Floor, uh, he discussed uh, what we were discussing uh, about how to keep dust out of your digital camera while you are changing lenses. And I thought that was an interesting discussion. And the kind of short, short version is you really don't need to worry about it because it's unlikely that you're going to run into any sort of problem that will cause a visual distortion on your images. And I'm oversimplifying for sure. You should definitely check out the episode. But there were three links that that he pointed uh, his listeners to, including me, because I listened to it. And I think all three were lens. Yes, all three were lensrentals.com blog posts. Now, if you recall, I think all three of us, certainly I, have uh, been patrons of lens rentals. Uh, they are not a sponsor, but we've all used them. And these three posts on their blog uh, from as far back as 2008, actually, uh, involve what can happen to a lens and whether or not that really affects the the image that comes out of the camera. And so they talk about in the first one uh, getting lens dust on the screen and do some really interesting or lens dust dust and lens and do some really interesting tests to show that. Unless you get fairly extreme, and again, I'm getting a little hand-wavy and oversimplifying, but unless you get fairly extreme, you're probably not going to notice this distortion. And in fact, they put little post-it note uh, slivers onto the lens to show that it almost made no difference except very extreme scenarios. And that was just mind-boggling to me, that a, little, that a piece of post-it note that looked like it was two to three millimeters square really... In, in in basic setups didn't seem to matter. That blew my mind. And when you when you use a really narrow um, aperture, it did seem to matter. But wide open especially, it made almost no difference. Is that a fair summary of that first link? All right, I'll take that as a yes. Moving on. 
<laughs> and then the second link they had um, was about scratches and whether or not scratches on a lens make a difference. And they post they posted within their blog post two pictures. One is of a waste management uh, like dumpster. It is not on fire. Uh, one is of a piece of paper. And these images, I mean, they are not remarkable, but there was no obvious um, damage, if you will, to these images. These images looked like they were taken with a regular lens. And then you scroll down and you see the lens they were taken with, and it has like, I don't know, maybe 10 cracks straight through the lens in you know, kind of like a wheel, like spokes on a wheel kind of shape. It was crazy, and it is crazy to me, that this lens that is effectively shattered somehow ends up producing images that are okay. So those were the two that I think were most directly uh, applicable to the sorts of things that maybe any one of us would run into. But the third one was the most ridiculous, which is, uh, it's entitled, I don't know why it swallowed a fly, weather sealed lens with a fly inside. (laughs) Spoiler alert, this lens had a fly within it. It is ridiculous that this fly got all the way deep, deep, deep within this lens. And they, and because this is their business, they had to take it apart and repair it. And they kind of go through how they did that. But it was incredible to me that such a thing was even possible because I assumed, obviously, ignorantly so, I assumed that these things were like hermetically sealed and all that. But their point was, hey, if this lens is, is a zoom lens where things are moving, something has to take up the space that's just been vacated and that thing is air. So air is getting in and out of these lenses, whether you like it or not. And occasionally you can find a pretty big gap where a small fly can fly through. So I just thought these were all really, really interesting posts. The, the, the podcast tips on the top floor, uh, the episode was definitely really good and, and worth listening to. So, Definitely check all this stuff out if you're at all interested in any of this. And this is also, by the way, one of the reasons why the higher-end zoom lenses don't have any externally moving uh, elements most of the time. Uh, it, it still doesn't make it perfect. Still, stuff can still get in, especially dust being just like sucked in through like you know seals and stuff. But this lens ha- is one of those things where, like, as you zoom in, the whole end of it gets a lot longer as this whole kind of internal barrel sticks out. Uh, whereas the high-end zoom lenses will typically retain their exterior shape and dimensions at all the different zoom lengths. Like, all the zooming is basically happening inside the lens. And there's lots of benefits to that, but one of them is that it's less likely to suck in an entire fly. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous to me that, that any of this happened. Yeah, so the one thing you left out was the, the main topic of conversation is the idea of a door that goes down in front of the sensor for when, for when you're changing lenses. And so the most relevant piece of information uh, about that was the idea that even when the lens is on your camera, the dust can get inside it. And, you know, the telescoping thing with the ones that move externally, with the uh, with both the internal and the external ones, it probably d- depends on the design of the camera. Because with a purely internal one, there doesn't need to be any net air movement inside and outside the lens because the same amount of air is in there as long as there's some way for, you know, the air that's already inside the completely unchanging shape of cylindrical barrel of the thing. Like, that'll be fine. And for the ones that do move... I don't know enough about zoom lenses to know if there is a glass element between the part that moves and the rest of the camera. So, yes, you, when the, if you have a thing where the lens actually gets longer and shorter, then there is some air exchange taking place there. But is that air exchange causing air to enter into the sensor chamber and out of it? Or is it just causing air to enter into the, the, the front part of the zoom lens in and out? But either way, the whole point is when the lens is on, things can get in. Um, I'm still in favor of the door, though, and I'll tell you why. One of, one of his other points was that, like, the dust just floats in the air. It doesn't go down into your camera. But 
That's, I mean, it's true that dust is not going to make a diving, a bombing run for your camera as soon as it sees the lens is off because <laughs> dust is not sentient. But the net movement of dust is still down. <laughs> the net movement of dust wasn't down. We'd have dust all over our ceilings and not all over our furniture. Um, and the other thing is <laughs> the, the type of things that can get onto your sensor, not the lens. You know, the lens stuff is a different thing. But things that can get onto your sensor, small things can make a big difference. And in particular, things that were on my sensor, the theory that people had is that it, it was big enough for me to see and it was it stuck to the thing that it must have been pollen or something. The the bigger, the, the chunkier the piece of dust, the harder it is for it to get through any kind of ceiling in a lens, right? Especially for a prime lens where nothing is moving and it's all closed up. But the main time you are vulnerable to dust is when, not when there's a tiny crack opening in, you know, some kind of ceiling thing, but when there's a huge gaping opening. And if pollen is blowing around, that's the time when the piece of pollen is going to come in and get stuck to your sensor. So would a sensor, as I said on the show, I didn't even have faith that a sensor would actually even seal off, uh, a door that would actually even seal off the sensor, even if there was a door, because the door is not going to have a perfect seal either. But I still say it's better than completely open, gigantic opening to the air. And I still say it is better to not have your sensor facing upward for any appreciable amount of time because although dust does kind of float in the air the heavier and the bigger the dust the more likely it is to go down and if you leave it there long enough dust will settle on your sensor and dust on the sensor unlike dust in the lenses actually is surprisingly visible at small sizes because that's a whole different ball game than dust way out there somewhere in the in the path that, that light takes as it goes through these giant pieces of glass this is on the sensor like directly on the little whatever thing that protects the you know it's, it's very close to the actual things that sense the light so a small piece of dust or pollen can make a big difference so i'm still pro door but in the meantime i'm still being super careful this episode is brought to you by automatic the small adapter that turns your clunker car into a smarter connected car automatic has just launched the automatic light this brings the power of the internet into every car on the road automatic light is the new low-cost adapter for anyone who wants to save time and money on their car Automatic light makes car ownership more affordable. So, for instance, if you if your check engine light comes on, the automatic app can help you to diagnose what's wrong. It explains in plain English what the error code means and helps you find nearby mechanics if needed. But this also might save you a trip to the mechanic if you can just clear the code yourself. It also helps you expense your trips automatically by tagging trips for business. They make it a snap with convenient shortcuts. You can export your trips to a spreadsheet or export directly into services you already use, like Expensify, Concur, Zero, or FreshBooks, all integrated with the automatic app. Automatic knows locations and daily gas prices, too, at hundreds of thousands of gas stations around the country. So you can also track your gas expenses very easily, and entering your Philips couldn't be easier. And Automatic works with both iPhone and Android phones. The new Automatic Lite is just $79.95. This is their most affordable device to date. Go to Automatic.com for more information. Again, that's Automatic.com. Thanks a lot to Automatic for sponsoring our show. So just earlier today, as we record, there has been an announcement that we are going to talk about the Mac, or really Apple is going to talk about the Mac on October 27th. Media invites have gone out, and as usual, Apple's keeping things close to the chest, under the vest, whatever the phrasing is. Um, under the vest? Do people actually say that? No, I just, uh, close to the chest just sounded wrong. He, he just, he's got his, his merds wixed again. 
It happens from time to time. We are professionals, kids. Don't try this at home. So the invite has a colorful Apple logo, or most of one anyway, and it says hello again beneath it. And of course, uh, all the old Apple nerds like John Syracuse are remembering some old Mac. I don't even know which one it was. That said hello again on the screen. Some old Mac? I knew you were going to love this. I knew you were going to love this. (laughs) I I swear to God, I did that on purpose just to see you get, or hear you get riled up. It's hard to know with you guys. Reminiscing about Leopard. So which old, uh, which uh, important Mac was it, John? Well, that's the the one bullet point I put in the uh, put in this uh, invitation. Normally, I don't put much stock in spending time looking at these invitation images. You know, they're fun, they're amusing. You know, it's great to see them or whatever. But like, whatever. Like the announcement will be. I think time has shown, for the most part, the announcement images uh, connect to what is announced in a less interesting way than people imagine. Like, they're always looking for something really interesting. And there's a connection very often. Um, usually that connection is pretty obvious, and the obvious interpretation is correct, and it's not a big deal. The reason I think this one is interesting and probably interesting in a bad way is not because of the picture, which appears to be an Apple logo with, what do you guys think that is? Smoke? Uh just think? color blobs it looks like a blurred version of the aurora borealis behind some dark trees at night yeah that's wow. interpreted but but like as a as, as an ink blob um and maybe that will connect to what is announced in a way that is obvious after the fact or whatever but it also has text underneath and the text says hello again in all lowercase in i don't know is that san francisco i'm not good at identifying fonts probably yeah, it beats me and that is significant because the original Macintosh was famously, to people who were alive and uh, into tech then, introduced with uh, hello and script written in Mac Paint on the screen, kind of uh, like, you know, the, uh, a very humanistic way for the computer to announce itself rather than, you know, monospace font or text or whatever is hello written in script in a big, thick line, right? Um, and that didn't show up again as a marketing motif other than referencing back to the original marketing motif until the iMac when Steve Jobs had returned and it's the first big important product that oh god uh, was it the first iMac yes it was the first oh, iMac god. and that oh, one now said <laughs> hello and then in parentheses again and the reason that said hello again is because it was kind of announcing this new computer this weird teal thing that you've never seen before like it looks like no other Mac that's been announced like the, along with the iPod uh, the products that turned around Apple from this company that was going out of business to a company that paid attention to the iMac really, I think was the thing that made people say, oh, maybe Apple's not going out of business after all, which is not, uh, you know, that's damning with faint praise. Oh, I guess they're not going out of business, but people paid attention and it was interesting. It was the, it was the original iMac the best computer in the world? No, but it was a very important computer. It was important to Apple because it meant that they were a vibrant company that could do interesting things that people wanted to look at. And it was important to the entire industry that it influenced how technology and computing hardware was made from that point forward. I talked about all the teal uh, irons and and, uh, vacuums and all sorts of other things, how it just influenced industrial design and brought a new focus on what computers look like or before they were just basically beige boxes and apples had classier beige boxes. But, uh, it didn't make a difference and then all of a sudden this one was in your face you could not ignore it it was it looked totally different than everything else and so hello again felt appropriate appropriate time gap what was the imac like 1998 uh from 1984 to 1998 that's when they felt like it was important and significant enough to reference back to the original max hello and i give them that i say all right hello again it fit with that it, it was it was an important dramatic moment in the history of apple important time to reference back to the original mac now they're saying it, no parentheses this time, 
And the obvious interpretation is, oh, this is going to be an announcement about Max, which, surprise, that's what everyone assumes it's going to be. This is the time when they're going to announce some kind of Max, and we'll talk about what which Max those might be in a little bit. And it's a nice way of saying, we know it's been a long time since we introduced Max, so here's some Max, right? But I feel like by using hello again, they are implying a significance that I don't think they can deliver on unless they are doing our Max. Oh, that's right? bold. They're implying a significance, a significant event, as important as the original Macintosh or the first iMac. And the only thing they can announce today, that the only thing that is in any of the rumors or whatever, that they can announce to, uh, tomorrow or whenever, next week, that will live up to hello again, is if they are substantially altering the Mac line in a way that is obvious and as, as obvious and as dramatic as the iMac was or as the original Mac was. And maybe even our Max doesn't qualify for that. Only among nerds it would qualify because people don't care what the hell chip is in their computers, right? But at least to nerds, that would be significant. It would be a big transition. But I don't think they're going to announce our Max. I think they're just going to announce a bunch of new Macs that are pretty cool. I don't know if it deserves a hello again. I feel like I've been overhyped. <laughs> already raining on everyone's parade, and we're over a week away. We, this this has only been an announcement for like six hours. Does the word you can't you can't tell, like you can't overuse it? Like the one more thing they've used sparingly for the most part, and and I almost give them a pass on that because I feel like one more thing was used so many times. Hello has only been used. You know, the original Mac constant references the original Mac, and then the iMac with again in parentheses, and now they're using it now because they haven't released Macs in like a year. It, it's not if they're trying to do it to like you know to engender good feelings it's not working on me and i don't think there's anything they can deliver that will live up to the significance of that to old fogies like me everyone else doesn't care like no one knows the hell knows what hello again you didn't even know it was the original imac like it's not a, it's not a it's not a stumble for the company but for me as an old school mac user i feel like this is an inappropriate use of uh of that slogan and or or they could announce new amazing macs that are totally on par with the imac and the original mac but i'm not holding my breath yeah i mean like it, i i think I don't doubt that it is possible to do something in the Mac lineup that would justify this level of, of old-school reference hype, but I, I really don't think it's very likely, likely that that's what they've done this time, just because of you know the, the situation the Mac has been in for all this time, the, uh, the relative importance of the Mac to Apple that, that, at least the way it seems, is fairly low these days. Um, so I, I really doubt that they have done what you would expect, uh, from this kind of reference. That being said, I mean, you know, the, the again now is not in parentheses. So maybe that means that they, uh, deleted more ports. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing. Like you can do hello and then you can do hello again, but if you do again, again, it's, you're kind of out of ideas. So, I mean, that, that could be the way they're saying it's not as significant as you think we're referencing hello, but obviously we already did hello again and now we're doing it again, again. If they had did hello again, again, (laughs) <laughs> i mean they did the what is it the funnest ipod why not hello again again i wonder what killed that one in the meeting to come up with this, this slogan bigger is bigger probably a 10 minute meeting because again who, who cares about these images who, who even knows they exist except for like tech journalists and people who read tech sites but that's the thing i mean like like they disappear like the moment the event starts these images disappear from the world yeah and who, <laughs> no one cares about them once the, mo- the thing is over no one goes back and says oh i guess you know it turned out they were announcing a, a, you know back to the mac they did announce a bunch of mac stuff so anyway um I personally feel like I have been overhyped in the grand scheme of things. Hello again doesn't matter at all, but I won't forget. So, so here, here's a question. The, so the MacBook Pro, based on the rumors and everything that have been fairly consistent for quite a long time now. So I think there's, you know, it's probably one of those like where the smoke is fire situations where 
we can be pretty sure at least some of what's being announced next week by this point. Uh, and, and it sure seems like the MacBook Pro is getting a noteworthy update, but not like a revolutionary update. You know, like it might be getting some cool software mappable function keys. Like, okay, that's that's fine. Like, you know, it's probably not going to be amazingly rev- revolutionary. It's probably going to be, you know, a nice to have. Uh, it's probably going to get a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter. That's also, you know, not revolutionary, just nice to have. Uh, it's probably going to be, you know, a little faster, a little slightly more updated things, touch ID maybe for unlocking. Again, nice to have. So it's good. It's going to add up to a really nice update in all likelihood. But, you know, to, to be this revolutionary, what you're expecting from this uh, use of this reference, I, I don't think it stands a chance. One thing I am a little curious about is that 13-inch Retina MacBook Air. I'm telling you, like, that. there's something there. there there's something, like... We've been hearing about the MacBook Pro forever now. Like we've been hearing about about this updated MacBook Pro in rumor sites for what six months at least. It's been a long time, and then we've heard almost nothing about whatever this 13-inch MacBook or MacBook Air is being released uh, allegedly. Maybe that is going to be more interesting because you know they sure sell a lot of MacBook Airs. And so even though like the geeks like us have been focused on all the retina machines for the last, you know, four years since they introduced the first one, they still continue to sell a ton of MacBook Airs because they're very they're very affordable, they're very practical, they're a really good balance of lots of things. You know, I've gone over this before. I wonder if maybe the really significant machine of this event is actually that 13-inch MacBook Air. Uh, you know, or whatever it whatever it is that is going to fill that slot now. I don't know. So let's suppose for a second that there is a 13-inch macbook of some flavor that is retina why would that be an air and not just a 13 inch macbook well that's the problem with all these rumors because they keep saying the 13 inch macbook air as as we all know from long time watching uh rumors things the one thing that rumor sites pretty much never know the two things they pretty much never know are the the name and the price because those are easily changeable and they're not important for most people to know who would leak a small number of people can know them name and price leak last and sometimes price not at all and they have to, but they have to keep referring to this, the, you know, whatever they have rumors and part leaks and things, people have seen things or whatever. Even people who are working on the machine don't know what it's going to be named because that's not their department. All they know is that there's a 13 inch screen and something having to do with a laptop. And we've discussed this in the past, like maybe that 13 inch screen was for, is that a 13 inch MacBook Pro? Is it a 13 inch MacBook? Is it an air replacement? The, the whole point is you could have someone with this machine sitting in front of them right now uh, and get them on the phone and say, so is that a MacBook Air? I'm like, I don't know. I can just describe to you the machine. I don't know <laughs> how it's going to be sold. Is it going to have the Air name on it or not? Especially if it's Retina. Like, what makes it, at this point, Air is defined by not having a Retina screen. Like, that's what distinguishes the thing. <laughs> by having old ports uh, and not having a Retina uh, screen. Uh, you know, so I don't know. If they have a laptop that fits into that slot in their lineup somehow i think it's fine but i don't know if we can but by continually referring it to it as a 13 inch macbook air i think it sets weird expectations about it like you know does that mean it has to be really cheap does that mean it has to have more ports than we would expect does that mean it has to have a non-retina screen or otherwise it's not an air or does it just have to have the name air on it and it'll be like surprise apple's decided to keep that line going even though there's no real reason to well, but, you know, Air does mean something in, in hardware terms. The Air has always used this line of Intel CPUs that has a thermal power of roughly 17 watts. 
And the MacBook One uses like six watt CPUs, so it's a lot less power, and therefore it can be fanless, but it also is not nearly as fast, can't sustain a load for nearly as long, and has a bunch of other limitations, like in how many ports it can have due to various limitations of the chipset and everything else. Um, so the MacBook One, like it's never gonna, it's never gonna be as powerful as as a recently updated <clears throat> MacBook Air uh, <laughs> could be, because the MacBook Air just has a much higher power budget. And then above the MacBook Air, you have the 13 and 15 inch MacBook Pros, and those use, I mean, the, the MacBook, the 15 inch uses like a 45 watt line. I forget what wattage the 13 inch uses. I think it's like 25 or 30. Anyway, whatever it is, it's a lot more than 17. And so you have this like slot in the middle, and the MacBook Air. One of the reasons it could be so thin and so light and so small is because these really low-power CPUs were just an awesome balance of power versus performance. That lineup of these like little 17-watt CPUs has been, as yet, completely unused in anything with a retina screen, and therefore completely unused in anything that a power user like us might care about because most of us want retina screens. But it turns out like that balance is awesome. Like For what most people need out of a laptop... You know, the MacBook 1, the most recent MacBook 1, the second one, got a lot faster than the first one, but it's still nowhere near what an updated Air could do. And the MacBook 1, a lot of people complain that, you know, and I use one briefly, I know, like, you know, it's kind of slow. Well, it turns out that the MacBook Air has a lot fewer people complaining about the slowness because the MacBook Air CPUs can actually be substantially faster. And so to not use that that processor line in anything, I think, is a waste because it's such a good balance of battery life and, and low heat versus performance. Now, what they could do is basically have the MacBook Pro 13-inch come down and kind of and use that processor line or at least offer it as an option and kind of replace what the Air used to be. But then you have nothing using these here. The, uh, David Schaub in the chat has clarified that the 13-inch uses 28-watt CPU. So it basically goes 5 or 6 watts for the MacBook One, 16 or 17 for the Air, 28 for the 13 and 45 for the 15. So these are distinct power classes that are pretty far from each other. Um, you know, the, the MacBook Air compared to the 13-inch, it's, it's twice as much. I mean, it's, or it's, you know, twice or half as much. It's a huge gap. And the MacBook One to MacBook Air is three times as much. So these are major power differences in the heat, the battery life, the budget. Like, these are huge power differences. And that's why these computers are able to be so different in size and in battery life. It's not because they choose the sizes arbitrarily. It's because this massive power-sucking component of the, of the computer is chosen and kind of in these buckets. And then they can, they can shrink the rest, of the, computer, the rest of the computer around that so that it can be the smallest, lightest computer possible that can still give you know, an X watt CPU, enough battery life to be practical and useful to people. Well, what I was getting at with the airline not having a place anymore is because the airline was introduced as the ultra portable and the air name is going away because the, uh, you know, the iPad air is now replaced by the, I mean, even though they still sell it, like it's on its way out. Uh, and the air laptop continues to have the name air, despite the fact that it is no longer the smallest, lightest laptop. So what I would totally expect out of a 13 inch computer that people keep calling a 13 inch MacBook air is for it to be a 13-inch MacBook, not a 13-inch MacBook Pro using the 15 or, or 28, you know, 15-watt uh, CPU in there, but to be a 13-inch MacBook, because I don't think there's anything that says that the MacBook has to be fanless. The really small MacBook can be fanless. The next one up can have a, a wee little fan in it, and then you go Pro <laughs> 13 and Pro 15. That seems like a line that makes sense to me. MacBook Pro and MacBook. I see no place for the Air branding except for as a legacy thing where it's like they have non-retina screens they're super cheap and you're right that it's weird that they've been the only one to have this particular balance of power 
uh, and, you know, size. Uh, and that's Apple's fault for just deciding to let the Air be like this legacy line and not using that chip anyplace else. But I think now will be the time to use that chip someplace else or the chips in that class, not the specific chip. And I, I think it is more natural for it to fit as a 13-inch MacBook than to fit as like pushing up the line or whatever. And, and then, then the airline really does go away or becomes like the iPad Air where like, yeah, they continue to sell it at an even more discounted price just to, just because they can. But then the, you know, you'd have the MacBook and you'd have the slightly bigger MacBook and then you'd have the MacBook Pro and you'd have the slightly bigger MacBook Pro. And I think that would make a nice lineup. Yeah. I mean, I mean but at that point, like, you know, if, if you're saying that like, you know, so the, the difference between the, what, what is now the MacBook or the MacBook one and the MacBook Air line you know the air can be like twice as fast it can it can have way more ports and and more kinds of ports and a bigger screen and so if that considers itself within the same family of these two very different computers why does the MacBook Pro get a pro designation how is that any different uh external gpu on the 13 inch no the 13 doesn't have it the 15 only has it optionally yeah you could have it well, barely, you know, only in the very high end, and it's buggy, and you get worse battery life if you, if, if you choose that option. <laughs> That's separate thing. I'm just saying, I, I feel like it could be distinguished. The 13 inch uh, Pro would be thicker, heavier, and that thickness and, heavy, uh, and heaviness would give it more battery to do more power sucking stuff, whether it's having a higher clock CPU or more RAM or an external GPU on the high end model or anything like that. Yeah, but you can say that you can say the exact same thing about going from the 12 inch to the 13 inch. Like you know, it, it's like it's the same it's the same scale of difference between the current MacBook One and the rumored Retina MacBook Air as there would be between this Retina MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro line. Well, look, you've got you've got three classes of CPU and you only got two names, right? Because I think the the, the Air name is on its way out. So you you got to divide it down the middle between MacBook and MacBook Pro. So the, the <laughs> middle CPU thing has got to go on one side or the other, and I think it should go on the MacBook side. If it goes on the Pro side, oh well. But it seems more natural for me to, to go uh, for it to go on the MacBook side. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the MacBook Air name goes away and i think that we are left with macbooks and macbook pros and and that's all that remains well maybe okay so maybe like older devices would retain the air name but i'm talking about the brand new devices whatever is considered the most modern i think it would either be macbook or um macbook pro now, David Chubb is pointing out in the chat room that we actually have four classes. you got the 45-watt and the 15-inch, the 28-watt and the 13-inch, and then you're down into the MacBook Air at 16 and MacBook at 5. So if you're going to put the 16 and 5s or 15 and 5s down in the MacBook and the 45 and 28s in the Pro, that's an even split then. But it really depends on what things Apple actually decides to use because just because CPU classes of CPUs are available doesn't mean that Apple will necessarily use them in their products. I just think the Air, the whole Air naming thing doesn't make sense anymore it needs to be on its way out but i think people keep using that name because it's the only way they have to refer to a machine that's not a pro and it's not the skinny little macbook <laughs> um I, actually the way i wanted to start this off although because only one of us or 1.5 of us are looking at the notes was for the uh, for the october 27th <laughs> apple event i think one place to start would be what should apple announce in order of priority like what's the most important thing for them to announce second most important third post or whatever and then after that we can say what we wish they would announce ignoring what's actually important for the company so uh who wants to go first what what should apple announce at this october 27th event well, there's no there's no question it has to be new macbook pros because that is the workhorse of the lineup as far as i'm concerned i agree with you that a lot of macbook airs get sold and maybe somebody has numbers, somebody outside Apple has numbers, maybe it's more MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros, but 
man, I think business runs, a lot of businesses run on MacBook Pros. Uh, I mean, Airs too, I guess, but a lot of businesses run on MacBook Pros. I see MacBook Pros everywhere. I think they have to announce MacBook Pros. I think that's non-negotiable, or, or an equivalent thereof, if for some reason they change the name. I think that's non-negotiable. I agree. That's number one. I mean, it's obvious number one. It's a thing I think if we helped to put money, we would all bet on as the most likely thing. They have to because it is it is the most important Mac that they have is their laptop line and the MacBook Pros. Uh, they they've been, have been updated a long time. They're a really important computer. If they care about Macs at all, they need to and almost certainly will announce new MacBook Pros. Well, if you look at what is most important for them to announce, if you go by like Tim Cook Apple, it's probably the AirPods. Well, we're talking about Macs at this point. Oh, okay. I, mean, well, I, I, I guess I guess based on the based on the little advertisement, although we're not reading too much into it, it says hello again. That's a Mac reference. This event is going to be about Macs. Was, will there be other things this event? Who knows? Who knows what other stuff they announced? But the AirPods are already a thing. I feel like this is, event is going to be about Macs for the most part. And you know, unless you think there's some other higher priority thing that they need to announce in October that they haven't already announced. I mean, AirPods are probably going to make them more money than the MacBook Pro will for a while. Yeah, I know, but they already announced that. <laughs> they already know about Yeah, but those. you can't buy them yet. No, but you will be. Able, like, sure, they'll announce a date or whatever, but do you think announcing the date for, <laughs> for that is more important than, than new Macs? Uh, I don't know. Maybe to Tim. I, I, I honestly don't think that Tim gives much thought to the Mac. It's not, it's not that he, like, hates it or doesn't care about it. I just don't think he gives it a lot of thought. I really don't. Well. But anyway... Uh, personal personal CEO speculation aside, yeah, it's probably the MacBook Pro. I think you're right. I do think the MacBook Air is probably, if I had to guess, the one that sells the most. However, uh, MacBook Air buyers tend to buy it because it is so cheap. And so it's often like schools and people who are buying a ton of them uh, and who need them to be as, as affordable as possible because they're buying a ton. And you know, in the case of schools, they don't have massive budgets. Um, so it's probably... The, the MacBook Air, while it is very important for it to exist and be sold, and in my opinion, be good, I think it's less important that it be radically up to date. The MacBook Pro, on the other hand, sells to people who more often care about how you know fresh it is, and and MacBook Pro buyers would probably be more irked than MacBook Air buyers at the at the prospect of buying a two or three year old one brand new. Yeah, I, I think the crisis they're facing here with the whole the whole hello again thing basically acknowledges that is they are acknowledging that the people who do not buy mo the most volume because like you said the most volume is the cheap ones right but the people who buy cheap ones are not like waiting for Apple events and looking for announcements it's the enthusiast community or like the more advanced pro users who who have even noticed that Apple has not updated their Mac line in a really long time we're you know we're the only people who even notice so this is. It's an important. There's no like lack of. There's no. There's no faith gap among the people who are buying MacBook Airs because they don't know or care like how Apple updates. The MacBook Air is already ancient. They have non-retina screens. If you told one of those people, you're like non-retina, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I like this laptop, right? That's not what this is invented for. That's why I think the highest priority, the most important thing that they have to announce here is the MacBook Pros. Not because they're going to sell more MacBook Pros than MacBook Airs, but because that's what this event is all about. Announcing things, early. you have to move. You have to move the head of the train ahead, like the the the, the tail end that's going. Like nobody cares about that. So, it, I think history has shown you can not update the MacBook Air for a really long time. They still keep selling, which we think is awful as enthusiasts. But Tim, <laughs> Cook, Tim Cook probably likes. So, we're we're all in agreement. MacBook Pro is the most important, with a corollary about uh, AirPods making a lot of money for Tim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> like here's here's what I would like. See, like I. 
I get I get why Tim Cook doesn't have to care that much about things like the Mac Mini and keeping the MacBook Air up to date. I get why. But all of us are Apple fans because Apple for many product categories and for many uh, for many times throughout its history has stood for being the best, do, making things the best they can make them, making, you know, what they consider to be the best products possible. And if you look at the Mac Mini, is that really the best product possible? No, of course not. Apple doesn't care about it. If you look at the, you know, the 21-inch iMac that still ships with a 5400 RPM hard drive standard, is that the best product Apple can make? No, of course not. Basically, you can look at a lot of the Mac lineup, and whether it's like entry levels being way too low spec-wise that that actually make for bad products like hard drive-equipped computers in 2016, uh, or if you look at Mac product lines that just almost never get updated and continue selling the oldest hardware forever, like the Mac Pro and the Mac Mini, I just wish Apple cared about these things as much as we do. Because... Apple as a brand, and and I do believe that many of the people at both high and low levels of the company believe this and think this way, Apple tries to make the best products they possibly can make in so many categories. And for some reason, they think it's okay to completely neglect, almost to an insulting degree, some of their Mac product lines. And, and to me, like that's not Apple-like. At least that's not that's not the way Apple thinks it is and presents itself and the way that we Apple enthusiasts want them to be, even though, you know, actions speak louder than words. So right now, that's the kind of company Apple is. But I wish they weren't. I I wish they were the kind of company that they project themselves as and that we expect them to be. You know, everything you sell, you should try to make it as, as good as you can make it. Because that's what, if you had to pick like one Apple value, like what, what are Apple's values or what does Apple stand for? It's that. It's that everything they make should be the best thing that they can make. You can't say that about a Mac Pro that hasn't been updated in three years or a Mac Mini that hasn't been updated in probably about as long uh, or these computers that skip generations because Apple just doesn't care about new hardware to put in them and they'll keep selling it only because it keeps selling like the like the 101 laptop or the you know all the like like keeping keeping selling anything non-retina in 2016 anything with a spinning hard drive in 2016 like these are not the best products they can be and margins might suffer a little bit and you might have to put in some engineering effort sometimes into product lines that aren't that popular but if they're worth making at all, keep, make them the best they can be, because that—that's what Apple is supposed to actually stand for. I would add uh, just a qualifier there, because I can imagine people typing up their uh, tweet replies right now. As they listen, uh, it's the best they can be within their price point. Obviously, no one is saying sure. that every single computer has to have the very best computer uh, components, and every Mac has to have Xeon processors and ECC RAM. Like it's within the price range. And what we're saying is, like the Mac Pro is a great example, even though it is the high end machine. Can Apple make and sell a Mac Pro at its current price point with better hardware? Unquestionably. Same thing for the Mini. It's not It's not saying that the Mac Mini has to have the top-end hardware. It's like the, the philosophy that Apple itself expresses a lot of times, that when they do anything, they want to make it the best they can. And they're, they're in their own statements, it's implied the best we can within the realm of, of this reason for this price point. So when they make a keyboard, and like we spent a really long time working on these key clicks, so Casey would be really happy, and we wanted to make it, they're making <laughs> the best keyboard they can. They're not making a keyboard that costs $3,000. Like, it's not, well, I bet you could make it better for 3000 Yes, they have a target price for like, what is a reasonable price for a keyboard for you know like that's obvious but it's within the price ranges when you don't 
uh, even the 101, which is like, fine. If education wants like a Mac with an optical drive and a non-retina screen that's really rugged or whatever, if that's a product, fine. That's a that's a product slot. But you still have to say, if people are going to buy this computer year after year, next year, we should have a ever so slightly better, more rugged, uh, more reliable, more efficient, more pleasing Mac with an optical drive and a non-retina screen for education. Like, just, <laughs> you know, you don't have to update them constantly. But are you saying... You know, we don't ever want to invest any more money in this ever again, but we will sell it year after year after year. And that is on Apple-like. It's not the fact that they're that they're not making that computer have, you know, a 5 gigahertz processor and an amazing Retina P3 screen on it. Like, that's not what we're saying. It's that if you're going to sell it at all, like, are you, is this a computer you're proud to sell? Like, are you proud that's to it. sell that iMac with the 5400 RPM drive? Would you be proud to give this to somebody and say... We're Apple, and we're proud of all of our products. Take this 21-inch iMac with a 5400 RPM screen. You'd be apologizing every five minutes. Yeah, you know, this is not what most Macs are like. We're sorry. Like, if you feel like you have to apologize to someone, like, yes. I feel that as a tech person. If someone buys, like, the wrong product, and you're kind of like, this is not representative of what all these things are like. You actually got the worst possible one, and it's really slow. And I know it was also still a lot of money for you. That's the other reason, because Apple's products are a lot of money relative to their competing products. Yes. <laughs> there has to be a, a, a trade-off for that. You have to be able to say, you know, it doesn't have to be as snappy as a Mac Pro, but, like, every year make it a little better. You know, there's been a lot of, like, little references here and there around our community about, like, how, you know, you don't really need to defend Apple as hard as you do. <laughs> uh, Apple can defend themselves. They're a huge company, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the things I keep seeing whenever I mention a 13-inch, that, that basically that, that I believe that it is both time and that it is likely that we will see a 13-inch Retina MacBook Air next week, a lot of people say, oh, you can't do Retina in that size because it costs too much. No, it doesn't. Look around at the entire rest of the computing industry. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. Look at the iPad. It probably, it probably costs more to get those non-retina screens at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, they're going to stop making the non-retina screens and Apple won't be able to buy them anymore. Like, look around the industry. Hardware is shockingly cheap. Like, it is ridiculously cheap. Look around, and a lot of stuff has similar or nicer screens for less money. Like, it can be done. It can totally be done. It is 2016. It is almost 2017. You can have a Retina MacBook Air size screen at $1,000 and still have a profit margin healthy enough for Apple. Like, that is totally possible. Hardware's really cheap these days. If you wanted to put a 256-gig SSD as the base model storage in every single Mac that is sold, you could totally do it, and the effects on margins would probably not be very substantial at all. It might, it might not even be noticeable. Like, it, it is totally possible to go all Retina, all SSD today in the Mac lineup. It's only up to Apple when they do that. And as soon as they can go all Retina and all SSD, their, their computers will be, across the board, a solid recommendation. A, it'll be so much better. And they, they just, they're not there yet because they just keep preserving like kind of the, the Tim Cook wave, just keep selling everything forever. And no matter how, you know, you know, no matter how old or ancient or crappy it is, like if someone's still buying it, we'll keep selling it at whatever low price we can get. Like, no, that's, that's not Apple. That is not what Apple has ever stood for. That is not what most Apple people like to think Apple stands for. And that is not what our, what Apple's customers think Apple stands for. We are also sponsored this week by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. Go to Hover.com and use the promo code this week, finally, for <laughs> 10% off your first purchase. Finally, we have a new Mac event. Now, did you know that over 100 million .com domain names 
are already registered. Obviously, .com's been around forever. A new domain is registered every second. Now, when you think of an idea, you need to find a great domain name for it before someone else snatches it up. Hover makes it incredibly easy to quickly register your own .com domains. You know, .com, to me, like, if you can get a .com for whatever you're looking for, that is the cream of the crop. Like, we have a lot of other extensions these days, and Hover will sell you all those, too, if you want them. But if you can get a .com, that is always the best. Like, it's no question. If people have to guess your domain, they're going to guess .com first. If you can get it, you want .com. And Hover makes it easy to find .coms that are still available. So instead of making you opt out of page after page of add-ons and stuff after you pick it that you don't need... Hover only offers domains and email, so you can quickly secure your domain and get back to working on your great idea. Hover is also known for their no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. So when you call them up, a real live human being is ready to answer the phone. They pick up the phone, they don't transfer to anybody else, a real person picks up immediately and helps you out. It's amazing. Plus, if you don't want to talk on the phone, they also have great online tutorials, email, and live chat support too. So go to hover.com to find a great .com domain name for your idea. Use promo code FINALLY at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase. Thanks a lot to Hover for sponsoring our show. So the obvious follow-up to this, what should Apple announce in order of priority? We all agreed on the number one, talking to the MacBook Pros, talk about the larger issues. Harder question. What is the second highest priority thing that they should announce at this event? Apple Pencil 2. Oh, my goodness. Now now with an eraser. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I think we all answered that, and I think it's the MacBook Air or, if John and I are right, the 13-inch MacBook. Whatever, whatever fills that slot, I think, is the second most important. Yeah, I mean, and if you can look at like other things that are very likely. I, I think the iMac is very likely to get a um, an update. I think KB Lake is ready for that class of CPU, isn't it? Do you, but do you think that's important? Like, so are you? No, I, I mostly I mostly agree that it's something in that in that range of products, whether it ends up being a MacBook or a MacBook Pro with 13 inches, the second most important. What is the third most important? Is the iMac the third most important? Because I feel like that of all the line of computer, the, the the 5K iMac is the one that I have the least problem recommending in terms of Macs at this point. Yeah, well, because the, the 5K iMac uses a class of CPUs that is very regularly updated by Intel. It's almost always the first one to get certain certain things. It's like this big high power one. Uh, they're I think I guess they're probably easier to make. And uh, and so like it was the first one with Skylake last last winter. And now I because it has Skylake now, right? And then. I believe the KB Lake version is is basically ready now because it gets updated about every fall. Uh, so the iMac will probably get an update to the KB Lake, which is, I, th- I believe KB Lake is a fairly minor update. Yeah, I don't think it's crying out for a KB Lake upgrade. Do you think like is that of all the problems that are that are with the current 5K iMac? So you're saying I wish it had a slightly faster CPU. Like, well, that's not on my high on my list. Well, but there, the iMac is like it's the iMac is already plenty fast. What I'm guessing it's going to get it. It already has the wide gamut color from last year, uh, so yep. the, the screen is already like top notch. I'm guessing it has to convert to uh, USB C and have Thunderbolt three. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. that's so that's you know that's like the obvious thing like that like you know if apple ever gets around to making everything retina and ssd the next big transition is moving everything over to USB-C and thunderbolt 3 uh or everything that that can do that which should be most of their computers if not all of them um so you know that's i would imagine the imac gets an update that is a moderate cpu increase um gpus potentially better who knows uh and that's then, the only that's the only rumor about the imac is everyone's saying new imacs with better gpus and if i had to pick one thing that needed to be upgraded i don't honestly at this point i would pick faster gpu over usb c for the imac but that's just me 
Well, USB-C has another interesting thing, which is that there's also this rumor about the 5K external display. And yep. and if the information that we have on that is right from ATP Tipster, uh, and which I believe the rumor sites have all corroborated at this point, although he was telling us like six months ago. Uh, but if the, uh, if the information is right, the 5K monitor is very likely to ship this time. It is based on Thunderbolt 3 over a USB-C plug and that it will only be compatible with Macs that have USB-C with Thunderbolt 3 on them, which is currently none of them, uh, and will presumably be everything announced <laughs> next week. Uh, so presumably it'll be the new MacBook Pros, if the MacBook Air is new, that thing too, uh, and the new iMac. So all those things should, in theory, be able to drive this new display, and probably no other Macs, including the current Mac Pro, uh, which will be slightly embarrassing, but nobody buys the Mac Pro anyway, so... <laughs> so I'm kind of torn on the on the the third priority after the MacBook Pros and the MacBook because I really don't feel like the 5K iMac needs it other than like you said being able to drive the monitor that in theory they're announcing and by the way maybe you could list that monitor as the third item but it's kind of like a tie with me for me with between the iMac and the Mac Pro even though nobody buys the Mac Pro in terms of priority order of what they should announce to have a positive to to make up for the areas where they have problems the areas where they have problems are the, oh, the max well. that they have not updated the longest and should is very different than will i, I thought we were i thought these were guesses <laughs> no we're still on the should it's what should they announce in order of priority and i, uh. I would be totally totally safe saying that you know macbook pros that is the highest priority macbook second highest priority and then mac pro and imac are kind of a tie because the mac pro is like really that is if they care about pro at all like they, I mean, obviously they can't do this. If they're doing Skylake, they just can't, right? We know that's why none of us expect the Mac Pro. We'll get to what they think they're going to do next. But if they had made wiser choices and had a MacBook, uh, had a Mac <laughs> Pro ready to go with a pre Skylake but post whatever the hell Haswell E thing they're using in the old ones, is that what is that what the old ones use? I don't remember anymore. The old Mac Pro is Ivy Bridge, and then and they 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 missed Haswell and Broadwell. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, that's what they should do. They're not going to, but that would, I feel like that would be a tie for the Mac. And no, none of us think that the Mac Mini, because the Mac Mini is not symbolic of any segment that, that we think is important. It's like, there's the Pro segment, and then there's the stuff that everybody else buys. And then the Mac Mini is like, not Pro, not everybody else, a weird little thing. And honestly, it is a shame they don't update it, but I think it is at the bottom of their priorities in terms of what they should announce to reassure any community of, of purchasers or to make up for past sins or whatever, because the Mac Mini has been on this pay-no-mind list for its entire life, basically, and it should just be used to it. No, I mean, like if, if we're going for what should they announce to convince people who are paying attention that they that their head's in the right place, a Mac Pro is is definitely number three, if not even number two. Uh, but if we, in, in terms of what they will actually announce, uh, I don't, I don't think we have a chance of it because, as you, as you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, basically the Mac Pro is currently kind of between two generations. Like, if Apple is going to release a Mac Pro with a certain family of Intel's Xeon CPUs, usually they do it very promptly with that family's release to the public. And the last Xeon CPUs were released back in June. That was the Broadwell E line. So I doubt. Like, if they were going to ship Mac Pros that used Broadwell, they probably would have already done that. So yeah, if, they should have, but they didn't. Right. And and the Skylake E Xeons, uh, and, and these these names all lag behind the consumer chips. There, there's good reasons for that. But basically, Skylake is coming to the Xeon family, allegedly, in the first half of 2017. So my guess is that we get 
a Skylake Mac Pro, if it is going to exist, we get that probably at WBC of next year, uh, which will be awesome if it exists because Skylake on the Mac Pro is actually a really big upgrade. Like the the Skylake Xeon chipset, uh, this Intel's codename Pearly chipset, has a bunch of big improvements. You know, with like higher throughputs on things, more PCI Express, better memory, all sorts of improvements that will be bigger than the average Xeon upgrade. So, if we're waiting for that. Like, okay, it'd be nice if they had one now, but that's going to be an awesome Mac Pro when it eventually comes out. You know, it's weird because I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think that updating the Mac Pro is considerably more important than updating the iMac. The iMac isn't that old, and I, I concur that it's not likely to happen and God, I hope it doesn't happen because then you two will go on for 17 episodes. But uh, I do think it is important for it to happen. Uh, it's just, unfortunately, the timing is all off. But it, it should happen for sure. Well, you have to balance. Like, the reason I'm doing this prior to earlier is you have to balance not just like, oh, what is the most lagging? But it's like there's a, there's a balance between the volume of these that you sell, how important is this to the entire product line, and how far behind is it? And that's why I think the MacBook Pros and the MacBooks needs to come first because their volume is just so much more than the Mac Pro. Yeah. But at a certain point, even at the infinitesimal volumes of the Mac Pro sells, it becomes symbolic. And that's why I feel like it's kind of in the number three slot. Tied with the iMac, which the iMac sells way more than the Mac Pro. Um and, you know, and it, like it's uh, in other words, I don't want to say, oh, you've updated the iMac recently. You can let the give that one a year and a half vacation. Like, no, don't keep doing what, you know, the, the rate of uh, progress on the iMac has been good. It's been, hey, 5K iMac. And then very shortly after, hey, 5K iMac with a better screen. And it should be very shortly after that. Hey, 5K iMac with USB-C that can drive this new monitor. Like, you know, it, keep doing that. That's what you're supposed to It's the one Mac to doing the right thing with. So I almost don't want to say, oh, you don't have to update them. That's not important. But. It is in the number three slot, maybe tied with the Mac Pro. So this is like top four, where we can just pick like all the picks for the number three <laughs> slot. I think so. So, how important do you guys think the external 5K display is? Because I think like it's probably a very boring product, but I think I think it's actually a really big deal to power users because a lot of power users use MacBook Pros or MacBook Airs as their primary or only computer, and they use them at a desk or or you know moving around. And so many people I know use MacBook Pros with external monitors and you can get retina so far if with like various dells and stuff but it it tends to be buggy and limited and and generally crappy um so this you know i would imagine casey you're probably like first in line for this right well yes and no so i have very strong feelings about this um i have two lenovo monitors at work they're probably 22 or 24 inches they're completely unremarkable in every way they i think might be 1080 maybe um i I, again they're so unremarkable i don't even recall what resolution they are i use the two of them side by side on a standing desk i leave my macbook pro clamshelled when i'm at work this generally speaking is actually fairly nice to have two reasonably large external monitors um, that are pretty much identical however this becomes a freaking nightmare when I'm doing UI work in the simulator because these screens are not retina, which means when I shrink the simulator so that it actually fits on my screen, which means I'm shrinking it to, you know, like 50% at the least, oftentimes I'll drop things that are on the UI. Perfect example. Yeah. I constantly drop the dividing line between table view cells. Constantly. And so I think that there's something wrong with my UI. Oh, no, it's just these piece of garbage monitors I'm, I'm viewing this on. 
I understand that I could not clamshell my MacBook Pro. I could set that up and I could do the simulator on there. I understand that, but I don't want to call me bananas, whatever you want to do. It's just not what I want to do. I want to use these external monitors. Thanks, man. Um, I, I want to use these external monitors. So because of this, I've been going back and forth with our head IT guy trying to figure out, okay, I really want something that's retina. And I don't think that's too much to ask. Here's why. And I think I got him on board for that. So what can we do? And he said, well, you know, generally speaking, I'd want to get you a cinema display or a Thunderbolt display. And I go, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And he said, <laughs> no, right. You don't want that. Yeah, you don't. And he said, you know, you don't want that. And he knew they'd been discontinued, et cetera. But even then, even if they weren't discontinued, they're not retina. So it doesn't help me. So I had told him after having surveyed Twitter like 16 different times, I told him I would like a particular Dell 4K monitor. And we'll put a link in the show notes because I don't recall the exact model name offhand. And it's like a 22 or 24 inch 4K monitor. They also have a 27 inch 5K monitor, which is effectively an iMac, but it also has the price tag of an iMac because I think the 5K one is like $1,500. Yeah, something like so, that. The 4K one is about 400, give or take a little bit, on Amazon. And uh, as Solomon in the chat said P2415Q, and I'm pretty darn sure that's right. So anyway, it'll be in the show notes. So we ordered one, and it came in, and I took my two Lenovo monitors off my desk. I put my fancy, shiny new Dell on my desk. <laughs> you told the story last week. Did I? Okay. I, yeah. I couldn't recall if I had or not. And, and it was DOA. So we have a 27-inch LG 4K monitor that I really size. like, but it's the wrong size. So on the way, but not here yet, is a 24-inch equivalent LG monitor. And I've been going back and forth with our IT guy for like two months trying to figure out what monitor to buy, what price point we can hit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily know that this phantom new Retina 5K external display, I sincerely doubt that it will be at a price point that my company will be willing to pay. You can't drive it from your Mac anyway, so what do you care? And I, and I wouldn't be able to drive it from my Mac anyway, so you're absolutely right. But let, let's leave that aside just for a moment. I'm assuming it'll still be $1,000, just like the Thunderbolt display was before it got retired. Maybe higher. If not yet, yeah, to your point, if not more. I mean, $1,000 for an Apple 5K display today would actually be a really competitive deal. Sure, but it but it's way more than... If you're starting from the position of probably a $200 or $250 Lenovo monitor, it's already a big deal for me to be asking for a $350 LG monitor. And now we're talking about a $1,000 or $1,500 Apple monitor. On the one side, it would be an easy sell because it's first party. On the other side, there's no freaking way they're going to spend that kind of money on me. So you're right, Marco, that I would be first in line for it in the sense that I would want it more than anything in the world. But... I don't think my company would pay for it. I don't think I would want to pay for it for a work computer. And either way, I think this is all kind of moot because John is exactly right. It's unlikely that my existing effectively brand new MacBook Pro would be able to drive it anyway. So in summary, Casey said. So, I mean, this is obviously like, you know, in a perfect world, you would get a brand new computer, you know, in a few months or whatever that has all this stuff. Right. Obviously, right. that's probably not going to happen. Um Second, second option here, because you know, I, if you need any ammo uh, with, it sounds like you don't, but if you need any ammo with ID, <laughs> you can tell them that that Marco Arment, uh, noted Apple author, uh, authority on whatever, uh, says that like seriously, if you are doing iOS development on a Mac, it must be Retina, like period. You have to like it, because the exact reason you mentioned, like every iOS device that runs iOS ten is Retina. So if you're doing iOS development. 
you are running your software on retina devices and the simulator does not run correctly in in an accurate way on non-retina screens unless you like blow it up and then it looks but even even then it's wrong for different reasons like to to responsibly develop for ios if you have any budget at all and if you're working for an employer what you cost them every month is way more than than like computer equipment so you know it's understandable if you're like a hobbyist and you only have an old mac fine that's one thing but if you're like working in an, in an office for like a professional company in the United States that that makes iOS and your job is to make iOS software, you need to be using a Retina screen and preferably the largest one that you can possibly find uh, because that is just it, that is just the practical reality of developing iOS applications. Uh, that is what they need. It, it's it's simple as that. So you might want to consider, although this is probably not going to happen, and you're probably going to tell me immediately no. In the meantime, if you can't get them to spring for a brand new computer and a brand new 5K monitor next year or next month or next week, what about switching to a 5K iMac at work? Is that an option? Like that costs a lot more than a three hundred fifty dollar no uh, whatever monitor that was LG monitor. Yeah, the LG monitor is under three hundred fifty dollars, and even two of them is, is not. Under. Yeah, and even two of them is cheaper than one iMac, and and it's funny because from time to time I work from home and. As long as I'm hitting our production servers, you know, I'm not doing I'm not doing any work that requires our QA or, or development servers. I don't need to be on our VPN, and and I will do work from home and it on my on my iMac, and it is amazing. It is so much nicer than doing work at work. Um, See, that's a so, problem. <laughs> well, right? No, it is. It really is. And and in that sense, you're absolutely right. But for better or worse, right, wrong or indifferent, I prefer to have a laptop so that if I want to work from home and I need to get on the VPN or I need to have something that for some crazy reason is only on my work laptop, um, I, I'd prefer to have a laptop, which means I think my future setup will be either one or two of these LG monitors. And I think all told, I'm going to be really happy with it. Um, but the initial reply from my IT guy was, well, throw away one of your Lenovo monitors and use your laptop and shut up, which truth be told is not an unreasonable answer. Yeah, but, that, that is also an option. Yeah, but but I like having the two identical screens. And so that's why I, I'm avoiding that. I think in the future, I will I will probably end up doing one of these 4Ks and then bite the bullet and, and unclamshell my, my MacBook Pro. Or in a more perfect world, two of the 4K displays, and the and if, in the most perfect of perfect worlds, somehow we the company falls upon even more money, and they get me one of these phantom new displays with one of the phantom new Macs. But given that my Mac is on a two year lease, and I've only been there like seven or eight months, that's probably not going to happen. What about two MacBook Pros side by side? You have your two side by side monitors that are the exact same size. They're both Retina, and your company seems to be totally okay by MacBook Pros. Yeah, if if only it were that easy. Well, leasing MacBook Pros, and if only that were, me. it were that easy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hear you. And so in that sense, you know, uh, this is a very long way to say, heck yeah, I'd love to have uh, one of these phantom, you know, USB-C 5K displays. But I don't foresee one being in my future unless I fund it. And even then, it won't be for two years because my Mac, my work Mac won't support it. Kind of like the Mac Mini. Uh, Apple has conditioned us all over many years, not just a Thunderbolt display, not to expect Apple to update its monitors in any reasonable time frame. So that's why I think, despite the fact that I really want a 5K display to connect to a, a hypothetical Mac Pro in the future, it does it's below all those other items in terms of what they should do because 
Apple's history with monitors is just abysmal. Like they will, they'll introduce an amazing monitor and just let it sit there for years, and then introduce another amazing monitor and let it sit there for years, and then apparently now discontinue it. And then I fully expect if they continue to make monitors at all, they will eventually announce another amazing monitor and then let it sit there for years. So the trick is buy it around the time they announce it when it's still amazing. Don't buy it <laughs> at the end of its umpteen year uh, life cycle. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up about it being announced. So I won't be disappointed if it's not announced. Um, but either way, I don't think it's in their priority list. It doesn't come before any of the things that we've discussed so far in terms of that they have to do this to either because they're going to sell a lot of them, which they're not as a thousand dollar monitor, or that they need to reassure people, which they don't, because like the Mac mini, we're all just used to the fact that monitors are not a thing that Apple updates. <laughs> Our final sponsor tonight is Away. This is a new sponsor. Go to awaytravel.com slash ATP. Now, Away makes, quite simply, the perfect suitcase. This is incredibly well-researched, thoughtfully designed suitcases that are made to be the perfect carry-on. These were developed from hundreds of travel stories from friends and seatmates and designed for the way people actually travel today. So Away does not make, you know, quote, smart luggage. They make thoughtful luggage. It features unbreakable shells, interior compartments, and built-in USB chargers. That, that's one of the coolest parts, I think, um, using the best materials in the world. The result is luggage that is beautifully, functionally minimal. It gets out of your way, and it helps you find your way. All of these suitcases are made from premium German polycarbonate. This is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, and it's very, very lightweight. These comes these come in three sizes: the carry-on, the medium, or the large for like you know long stays and places. And these are all at much lower prices than other brands by cutting out the middlemen and selling directly to you. Now, the Away suitcases feature an, a patent-pending compression system inside in case you pack a lot of stuff, Casey. Uh, and they, hey. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they have uh, four 360-degree spinner wheels to guarantee a smooth ride, a TSA-approved combination lock built into the top of the bag to prevent theft, and a removable washable laundry bag, which is kind of cool. To, you know, so as you're on the trip, you can throw your dirty clothes in there, keep them separate uh, from your clean stuff. And one of the cool things I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the carry-on has a USB charger built in. So it has like a little battery in it, and it's able to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else powered by a USB cable. Um, so a single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times. It's, it's just one of those things like, why hasn't all luggage done this in, in this day and age? Well, Away thought of that, and they made this incredibly thoughtfully designed line of luggage that does this. And this is all available with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for you for life. And you can check it out yourself because they have not only free shipping on any away order within the continental U.S., but they also offer a 100-day trial. So you can actually live with it. You can travel with it during your free trial. Obviously, you know, if you just have it in your house, it's not really telling you how it works. So a 100-day free trial, you can actually order it and take it on trips during those 100 days. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund with no questions asked. So, John, you, you have an away, right? Yeah, and of course, I never travel anywhere, but my wife has been traveling lately, and so she took it with her. And so, obviously, like the, the built-in USB thing, again, like the first time you see it, you're like, why doesn't everybody do this? Uh, you might think that it's going to make your luggage heavy. She's got the carry-on. Like, oh, it's going to be a big USB battery. It does not make it heavy. This is a very light thing. And she actually used it, like, not because, you know, she was trying to use it, but it's convenient. Like, you're in the airport, and you ever see people trying to fight to get those good seats that have the the plugs near them or sitting down on the floor because there's a plug or whatever you don't have to worry about that you got your battery with you um 
And the other thing that you, that my wife mentioned after using it, which you might not think about, is that, you know, like, carry-ons all come with some kind of lock on them, you know, some silly, probably not particularly secure thing, and they're usually more annoying to use than they are for, like, the benefit you get out of them. We have locks on all sorts of carry-ons, but we never use them. And she said, surprisingly, the lock on this one was nice enough and convenient enough that she actually found herself using it. It didn't feel chintzy and cheap, and, uh, like, it... It, it made her want to use it instead of just ignoring it and pretending there is no lock on it. So I, I call that a surprise benefit as well. Go to awaytravel.com to see for yourself and use coupon code ATP for $20 off. Once again, that's awaytravel.com, coupon code ATP for 20 bucks off. Thanks to Away, quite simply the perfect suitcase for sponsoring our show. All right, John, you were the one who had, had kind of a flow to how we would discuss this. What, what comes next? Well, uh, the other angle on this is uh, things that we wish they would announce, but I think we've mostly covered that with uh, you know the things that we would want uh, versus the things that are actually important for Apple to announce. So we already talked about the Mac Pros and the Monitor and all sorts of other stuff like that. Do, do, we, do, do any of us think there is a reasonable chance of a wild card that is not related to Macs or AirPods or anything that like is expected or rumored? Uh, you know, I hear that mm. there's a hub that's coming one of these days. <laughs> yeah, the hub wild card. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I'll, I'll, I'll snark aside. There's nothing I can think of. The wild card could be something about the Max that we're not talking about. Like we don't that we haven't mentioned, like you know, Touch ID and all like that. That doesn't count. We've all seen the rumors that like something that has not even been rumored. USB three to Ethernet. <laughs> wow. They don't have that. They only have USB two or Thunderbolt. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Tips um, they're studying hubs and dongles. I mean, I guess that's that a dongle. A wild card, <laughs> yes. but yeah, I, I, like is that? I don't know if that. It's true that we haven't been talking about that mostly because it's not that interesting. Because there's a million third-party things that you can plug into your Macs, and there will continue to me. But I, maybe that counts. I don't know. So here's a question. I mean, you know, more on the MacBook Pros because uh, there are there are still a few big things we don't know about them, and that a lot of people keep asking about. Do you think they will have lightning ports for headphones? My guess is no, because I, I think Lightning ports are going to stay iOS device only for plenty of various, like, you know, platform chip reasons and all likelihood. But well, if they have Touch ID in there, well, though. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before we answer, okay, let's assume they do not have Lightning ports for headphones, Marco. Would you say then that they have a headphone jack at all, or is it screw you, it's Bluetooth or nothing? I suspect they will still have a headphone jack or a lightning port. And honestly, I think the more likely answer is they're still just going to have a headphone port. Uh, but but uh, I, I think they're going to have one or the other. They're not going to have nothing. Yeah, I think they will still have a plain old headphone port. Mostly, though, because I would imagine slash hope that these Macs hardware was designed longer ago than we would like to think. Yeah, in terms, yeah. You know, the, 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 the Intel delays with the Skylight and everything like that, that... Uh, you know, I think they'll still have headphone ports. Now, second question is, what do you think they should have? Would you like a MacBook of any kind that did not have a plain old headphone jack, but instead had either a lightning jack or nothing? Is that something that would be attractive to you in any way, or you just see it as damage, basically? I mean, I'm always on Bluetooth. I, oh, I shouldn't say always. From time to time... If I have forgotten to charge my headphones in forever, which occasionally happens, but is very, very rare, I would plug in my old earbuds or in, in, in potentially my lightning earbuds to the Mac. But for me, it would not bother me if there was no um, 
audio jack of any kind and it was bluetooth or nothing to me like if i'm using my macbook for some kind of audio output one of the things i would do most often there is podcast editing while traveling and so i can't take any latency or and podcast recording is also also be a big thing so i mean although that wouldn't use the built-in headphone jack anyway uh Basically, latency is is a big deal killer for me on that. So Bluetooth would be a very hard sell. So if there's any kind of... If I'm using headphones on a Mac laptop, most of the time I'm going to want them to be wired. And so if they're going to be wired anyway, they might as well either be the same Lightning headphones that I can presumably use with my iPhone if I ever make that switch, which I I probably will eventually, uh, or a regular headphone jack. I think I'm pretty much on board with the idea of, in the future, replacing the headphone jack with lighting jack on Macs. I'm not necessarily saying Apple's going to do it, but I would be mostly okay with that. I just think that that it should lag behind the conversion in the iOS ecosystem because, you know, we just have the iPhone 7, which is the first device to do this. Give it a few years, see if the headphone situation shakes itself out. If it does and it looks like it's safe and, and you have lots and lots of people with lightning headphones or with those little nine dollar adapters or whatever it's like then okay all clear you can replace the headphone jack on the max and the only reason you'd be replacing it is basically uniformity uh and you know i mean it's not like you're you're trying to shave those little pieces little bits of uh size out of the inside of your macbook it's it's not as constrained as it is on a phone um but the uniformity would be nice and i think once they start adding touch id and stuff to max you start incorporating chips and other technologies from ios devices into macs for that purpose it's not too far to to go from there to lightning and i think you can do potentially interesting things with a lightning port it's it's i know it's weird to like you've got USB-C right next to lightning and they're similar sizes and we talked about this way back in the day about like oh won't it be confusing to have two and they'll put them in the wrong slots and stuff i feel like these are surmountable problems but uh in the short term i would prefer if the max they announce uh on the 27th have a plain old headphone jack and i would not like a mac that has neither of those things in it yeah i mean i don't think it would bother me but but the only time it would really bother me that I, that occurred to me when you were talking is i don't have noise canceling or noise isolating headphones that are bluetooth so on a plane when i want to listen to um you know uh, my uh, ultimate ears that are in ears that are that are noise isolating there is traditional wired headphones or ear buds whatever and that would really annoy me cuz typically i'll use um, either my iPad or my Mac on a long flight. And so that would really bum me out unless I could do the lightning to, you know, traditional headphone dance. I don't know. Well, and, you know, and Apple's Apple's response to that kind of thing, usually, like, if the if if they move to a new thing or, or the deletion of an old technology like a port, uh, if it results in people having to just buy new X, in this case, you know, buy new headphones and this problem goes away, if it can be solved that way, Apple doesn't care. They'll just say, okay, well, fine, buy new headphones. You'll, you, you will eventually buy new headphones, so when that happens, you'll be okay, <laughs> or maybe we'll motivate you to buy them sooner rather than later. Apple does not care if that, if that is the answer. It's, it's arguable whether they should care because that's, you know, you're throwing more cost onto people if they want to make this move, you know, so that, you know, that does add up, and that money matters to most people who are buying it. Uh, but Apple doesn't care. But the problem comes when there is nothing better to move to, or if, if the... If the things that, that they're telling you, well, this problem goes away if you just switch to X or you just stop needing Y, you know, sometimes the result of what you use instead, they just don't have a good answer for that. Or the or the answer is it has a lot of other downsides that the old way didn't have. So I've got an idea for a wild card that I've, as far as I know hasn't been rumored, although I haven't been paying that much attention to it. Um, and this is a special feature just for Casey. 
Mm-hmm. How about a waterproof laptop? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha ha ha. No, no, ha ha. Like, I, I, like, no, I, ha, I think ha. it's like as we, you know, we've got the phone that is waterproof, basically, and I think this is a feature that should be rolled out across the entire product line. Uh, it's no reason to not put it on iPads and everything else because it's kind of weird to have this very expensive device that you that becomes important to your life that you bring around with you. That if you get like a little splash of water on it, potentially in the wrong spot, it's dead. And it's dead in a really bad way. And that like there's special provisions in the various warranties that Apple does. Like it's treated differently. It's so, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I like feeling a little bit more confident. And laptops, uh, you know, people spill things in them all the time. Now, can you make it as waterproof as a phone? Probably not because of the keyboard and all that other stuff or whatever. But how about a more water resistant? version of a laptop lots of you know pc makers make laptops that are better about dealing with water than any of apple's i think apple can improve in this area and that would be an interesting uh place to go i think it's an attractive feature for people i think lots of people have spilled liquid into their laptops and you don't have to sell it as like hey you can use your laptop underwater in the pool just maybe like be more resilient to splashes that's all i'm saying I feel like they could do that and it would be a benefit and everybody would see it. And if they rolled that across their entire product line, eventually we would take it for granted and wouldn't be able to go back to the days where the tiniest splash can fry your whole computer. Oh, if only. I don't, it, that's, a, that's a tough challenge, I think, because like if you think about the, the physical attributes and needs of a laptop, like you know, the, you know, one of the most common water problems they have is, as Casey knows, because people often have drinks on the table next to a laptop. This is, you know, in coffee shops, on desks, like all the time people have this. And so if that drink goes over, it's basically going to pour directly into the middle of the laptop where the laptop is covered in a giant grid of holes for keys to go through. And if it misses the keys, it'll go into the speakers or the vents because they're air cooled. So like on a phone, you don't really have all the you you have a way well, you, smaller you got speaker you, you got speakers you got ports and the keyboard you can put in a big uh, bathtub you have a way smaller <laughs> number of entry points on a phone and it's just a much simpler shape there's there are fewer holes there you don't have air cooling of like the internals having a fan constantly sucking air through vents you don't have that on the MacBook either as like I'm thinking you start with the MacBook yeah. and you you don't try to keep water out of the keyboard because it's impossible Instead, you just make the keyboard a sealed off region where you can spill water in there and then you pour the water out of there. Like, in other words, water that goes in through the keyboard does not go to the rest of the computer. Speakers, same deal. You know, it's just like on the watch or anything else or on the phone. Yes, there are speakers. Yes, you will get water in them and screw them up as long as you can get the water out and it doesn't destroy the entire computer. And again, start with the MacBook, no fan, because that's obviously the hardest one because you can, all the other things you can deal with, but fans having like air cooling and waterproof really don't mix with each other in any sane way um but i feel like this is an area where that could be improved even if you just did the keyboard part of it like the keyboard and speaker part but still if you got water in the air vent it's you're still screwed right because you're right the people spill it on the top of the thing so this is a this is a feature that apple should roll out eventually uh you know across all its entire product line uh it probably is not going to come this year that we would have heard rumors of it um and if there were rumors i missed them but i think that's a that's a fun wild card well, and by the way, you know, for whatever it's worth, we're we're a, we are about to have in all you know by all measures we're about to have at least two new Macs announced in a week, and probably three or more, uh, and we have seen almost no parts leaks. We like we we know roughly like there was like that one case in the top case, yeah, with the place where the little strip goes. Yeah, we saw one thirteen-inch top case, 
and that was months ago, and that's it. We don't know anything about the 15-inch. We don't know anything about the the possible air if that wasn't it. Uh, like, we don't know anything about these computers except for, like, you know, some of the feature bullet points, which I think is kind of exciting. I, I love <laughs> not knowing, like, all the details of how they're going to look and what kind of, you know, what exactly they're going to have, like... And what colors they'll come in or whatever. Yeah, well, it's because people don't care. Like, that's, that's honestly what it is. Like, there's, there's lower volume. Like, it's, it's easier to keep a secret when you sell in lower volume, and it's easier to keep a secret when only weird Mac nerds care about this stuff. So, it must be a refreshing grapple. You know, it's funny. Uh, John, you just said something about colors, and I'd like to go back, like, half an hour in the conversation. Uh, Wildcard, colors. Like, having... It's um, not a wild card. It? That's been rumored, right? Oh, has it? Okay. Well, well, and the MacBook One has colors, so you know. Yeah, I agree, but I'm saying the the whole line or more of the line. Jet black. Oh God, I, I don't I don't think I want jet black, but a matte black. Mm-mm-mm. Well, here's here's one thing I thought of too. Like if and again, this is probably overthinking it, but if you look at the invitation, the colors in that logo are very close to the the metal colors that MacBook uh, or that that Apple's recent hardware is available in, with the exception of that orange. Uh, but if you if you look at like you know there's they have they have a little tip of silver, little gold, pink, and black, and and red and orange. I don't know. That's a stretch. Yeah, that's why it's. I mean, it is a stretch. But you know, there's certainly something. I I I would expect that there are probably going to be the metal. You know, at least the same colors that the MacBook One is in, which is basically all of them except rose gold. Uh, right there is there. Did they make a rose gold MacBook One finally or no? I thought they did. Oh, maybe this year they did. It's the, the thing the thing with those colors is it's all basically silver aluminum with a tint that is so gentle that depending on the lighting in the room they change appearance it's like it's like those cars that are gray but look very you know have some color like the, the colors are not particularly bold whereas i would say matte black is bold and obviously jet black is bold and i don't, really don't think they're gonna make a jet black mac but they could totally make a matte black one and i would love it i just haven't seen it rumored i, I would i would love to see it yeah, because honestly, like the the uh, the space gray MacBook One, I don't think it, like I, I think it would look a lot better if it was darker. Basically, like it looks it looks fine, but like if I were if I were getting a MacBook One today, I actually wouldn't necessarily get space gray just because like it's not I don't know it's kind of like it's kind of a middle color, you know? Like I, I wish to be a little bit more towards one end or the other. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, anything else on the event? I, I know that there's another thing that just got rumored today that we can talk about, but anything else about the event specifically? I think it's related to the event, uh, this this next uh, rumor thing, because the the rumor, the uh, story that was circulating today was about a keyboard that wasn't just like a regular keyboard with a new strip on top of it that is a, a screen of some kind replacing the function keys, but rather that every key on the keyboard would be kind of like a miniature e-ink display and be changeable, have all the keycaps be changeable or whatever. Um, and it's weird to see this type of story breaking like shortly before an event when Max will be announced, but I think we all pretty much agree, and even these stories agree. Even if this whole thing about the e-ink keyboards is true, it's not for this event, right? Yeah, that seemed consistent. Um, it seemed kind of odd to me. Like the idea in general, which is have the entire keyboard, every key be its own e-ink display so it can change, you know, what key does what as you change modes. So say perhaps if you hold the command key, maybe you could see like some text describing what each of those keys does. And you hold command option and the text changes to show what each of these hotkeys do. Um, Or maybe emoji come up on the physical keyboard. Like in and of itself, I don't think that's an unreasonable idea, but 
it seemed odd to me that it sounded like Apple was going to a Foxconn like subsidiary or or something like that in order to get this. It seemed to me more like Apple would just buy this company or or something along those lines if they really were interested in doing this sort of thing. And it was also an odd time for this rumor to leak, like like you said. So I, I don't put a whole lot of credence into this, even though the idea in and of itself, I think, sounds kind of cool. Anytime you see a story like this where a particular company is mentioned, especially if it's a startup, like this one was like an Australian startup, is Apple is teaming up with them to blah, blah, blah. Like, it's easy to read these stories as intentional leak fabrication PR by someone who is interested in seeing this startup's prospects being boosted like guess what apple is secretly working with this startup on the next generation of bob like who knows what the actual deer is but it's like i don't want to see an individual company's name in my rumors because then i start thinking this entire story is a plant to boost the <laughs> ipo or stock price or, or whatever of this company right and so that makes me suspicious of this and the timing as well like if you're not saying this is going to be announced on the 27th like save it until after if you it's like even if you had this story and you were like nine to five Mac or something, you would save it until after because everyone right now should be talking about the the increasingly accurate rumors about what's going to be announced on the twenty seventh. Not oh, guess what? Uh, you know the next Apple act up after the ones that haven't been announced yet. They're going to have a totally reconfigurable screen. So I think this is a not a great story. I don't expect to see reconfigur- reconfigurable e and keycaps on the twenty seventh, and. I'm not entirely convinced that it's a great idea. Even when I just think about emoji, it's like ink is cruddy. Ink is slow, needs to be refreshed. You can't use it like the keycaps control panel on the old Macs where you hold down the shift key and all the key, all the key caps on the keyboard change to capitals. It's just too slow and clunky for that. You have to constantly be clearing out the, the cruddy little uh, pixels or little balls that haven't turned over. And it's just... It's just not particularly Apple-like. And we talked about it for the little strip on top, and the idea would be that it doesn't change that frequently and that it can be reconfigurable and super low power, but all the rumors have been pointing towards that being a color screen. And when you mentioned emoji, who wants to see black and white emoji keycaps? You want to see a little yellow smiley face. That's right? true, actually. I didn't even think about that, but that's a really good point. So I'm not putting much in this, although I do kind of like the idea of an infinitely reconfigurable keyboard, but I still feel like that's going to come by Apple finally getting the guts, the courage to get rid of all the moving oh, keys and just make a giant OLED thing down oh, there. Oh, please don't even suggest that. Oh, God. You'll live to see it. Just wait. Oh, <laughs> uh, it'll be great. The first keyboard I can't use at all. That, that'll be wonderful. Yeah, Microsoft has discontinued your keyboard too, so I don't know what you're using. Well, they're they're at their service event that's like two days before this. They're they're going to announce a new ergonomic Bluetooth keyboard that's going to be Surface branded. I'm just hoping it's good. Surface branded? <laughs> what about it as Surfacey? Is it going to have screens on it? No, they're making basically like a, a, their own iMac, and they're calling it Surface something or other. Mm. It's like going to be mm-hmm. in the Surface family. Uh, uh, just by branding, and so and they're making a whole new line of of surface branded uh, keyboards, and I think maybe mice also. Uh, and one of them is a is an ergonomic Bluetooth keyboard that is apparently going to replace my beloved Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. Yours is wired though, right? No, it's wireless, but it has its own little custom dongle that kind of sucks. Uh, it's not nearly as good as as the Logitech ones. A surface branded iMac. Will you be able to touch the screen? I'm not quite sure how far they can stretch the surface thing. Like, what is the surface that you're talking about? Because it is not a tablet and it's not a touchscreen. And I mean, if it's thin know. enough, like the iMac, if you touch that a lot, it'll just like knock. You'll knock it over. Like that, <laughs> that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> I was saying, like, will it be actually a touchscreen? You know, because they can yeah. make a touchscreen because they have when their their OS supports that. 
Yeah, it's probably just like branding. It's probably just going to be a regular computer. Anyway, uh, I hope they release that soon because I want to buy its keyboard. And hopefully you can buy the keyboard separately <laughs> earlier than rather than later. But we'll see. They're, Microsoft's pretty good about that usually. You, it's probably going to be available. Anyway, are we done? Yeah, I think so. All right. Thanks to our three sponsors this week, Hover, Automatic, and Away. And we will see you next week. Now the show is over They didn't even mean to begin Cause it was accidental, accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental John didn't do any research Marco and Casey wouldn't let him Cause it was accidental, accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental And you can find the show notes at atp.fm And if you're into Twitter E-Y-L-I-S-S, so that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O, A-R-M, E-N-T, Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C, U-S-A, Syracuse, it's accidental. All right, so we got lots of options for the post show here. We can talk about Tesla. We can talk about Project Titan. We can talk about um, Titan is a show topic. We we'll save that for yeah, yeah, that's a future true. show, especially since it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Plenty we can talk time, about though. the debate. <laughs> we can talk about my camera stuff. I, actually, I did want to throw in one quick thing about the camera stuff uh, while we have uh, while we're talking about the Mac laptops. Um, I've mentioned in the past that I I pretty much always go fifteen inch, and and I usually don't regret that choice, and I I I have often regretted when I've gone smaller. I am considering whatever the new 13-inch Air ends up being this time around. Because one thing I noticed when I got uh, when I started using this new Canon camera uh, that we mentioned last week, so my my Sony camera that I might be replacing or or at least you know using less uh, is 42 megapixels, and I shoot RAW, so I can you know for lots of good reasons, and uh, and so processing 42 megapixel raw files just crushes computers like it, it is they're so bad and they're so slow at processing those files even doing simple things like just rendering a a preview is a very sluggish operation uh and this is true b- between both lightroom and apple photos so it isn't just like a lightroom problem um by comparison so that's 42 megapixels the canon is 30 which is still a very high resolution picture uh but for whatever reason, I assume it's because many image processing operations are not linear in complexity. They're probably like, you know, exponential or at least, you know, worse than linear because they have to operate on like pixels that are around other pixels and everything. Um, So for whatever reason, processing of a 30 megapixel picture is not only faster than a 42 megapixel picture, but faster by more than you'd expect by the you know 33 percent fewer pixels like it's it's more than that much faster it's a lot faster maybe the canon the drivers for the 5d are just better optimized you know what i mean like the whatever the the camera raw blah 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 thing that knows like oh when i get this sensor's raw data here's how i should interpret it i can imagine that being very mature software for the 5d assuming that doesn't change from the mark 3 to the mark 4 or whatever i don't know enough about cameras to know if that changes yeah, I mean, as far I mean, well, the, it does have these weird dual picture thing, but I don't have that enabled. It's basically, uh, I would imagine, you know, Adobe probably optimizes as much as possible for Canon SLRs, especially for the big ones, because like if you think about like who is using Lightroom and like you know what are the most popular cameras using Adobe Lightroom, 
I guarantee you the Canon 5D series is going to be pretty high on that list. Like it's it's and it, and it, Canon in general is going to be very high on that list. Uh, so uh, yeah, you're probably right to some degree. However, I, I do still think that many common image processing operations are worse than linear in in time complexity as the number of pixels grows. But anyway, so because of that, because of this being like way, way faster to process images, um, I actually might be able to step down reasonably to the 13-inch. So I actually might try that this cycle. I don't know. But what about Xcode? That was the whole reason like, oh, when I'm on vacation, I need to do some work stuff. I hate not having the tiny screen when I try to fire up Xcode and stuff. Um, It's mostly that I like basically I hardly ever actually do that with my laptop. Like, And I also I, I thought... For a while, I, I thought that um, that I could bring only my new 9.7-inch iPad Pro on trips where I was not going to be able to get any work done. And figuring that, like, worst-case scenario, let's say I have some major server problems and I need to do a whole bunch of, like, logging into servers, changing stuff, resetting stuff, or setting up new servers, whatever it is. I need terminals for that. And on the iPad, there is a wonderful app I panic called Prompt, which is a pretty good terminal app. And so... I thought for a while, like, oh, this would be wonderful. I can just bring this on a trip, and if the unthinkable happens and I need to do a bunch of server work, I really I can just use Prompt and I can log into my servers there with with my little external smart keyboard from from the iPad. It'll be fine. This week I actually tried to do that um, because <laughs> this past week I did um, I I had to upgrade all of my SSH keys from the old DSA format to the less old RSA format. And uh, you know, increase everything because basically Sierra does not allow you to log in without modification. Uh, does not allow you to mo- to log in with DSA keys. And yes, there's some various things you could try. There's like configuration options you can you can do to fix that. But I couldn't find any of them at the moment. So I thought, all right, I'll, let me just I go to my iPad because I know I know Prompt can still log in with these old keys, and, and it, ha- it already had my key on it. So I thought, great, this will be perfect. I'll use Prompt. I'll log into my old servers and I'll add my new keys to it. And it was great because I got to do wonderful things like use the new shared clipboard feature uh, so I could mm. like copy my keys on my Mac and then paste them into prompt and you know into a server window and add it to the authorized keys file. So wonderful things there. It was, it was wonderful. However, I learned during that process that using the iPad and, and that keyboard and, and not like not a real not, not like a full-blown terminal app, but just like this kind of iOSified terminal app, even though as terminal apps go for I, for iOS, prompt is great, but it is nothing compared to having a whole bunch of terminals and a real keyboard on my Mac. Like it's not even close. And I decided then and there, like if I actually ever needed to do like major server work on this, this would not be a fun experience. I would really regret it, and I would wish for a Mac. And and because and and on trips too, like there was a great uh, discussion on upgrade this week. Uh, where Jason Snell and Mike Curley were talking about this and kind of discussing like what they bring on trips because both of them are very heavy iPad users now uh, and 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 they both mostly just use Macs now for things like media production tasks like podcast and video editing that that are just still done better on the Mac even though they both attempt to do it on iPads more more Jason um, and one thing that Jason said which I thought was very apt about trying to use the iPad for, you know, quote productivity or making it your only traveling device. Uh one of the things is like with the iPad, you often just like hit a wall, just like something that it just can't do. And sometimes you can like download an app or use a certain workflow or use some kind of big workaround, but sometimes you just can't. Like sometimes the answer is you just can't do that really on a, on an iPad or 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 whatever. And uh and so the idea of me ever bringing an iPad only on a trip now 
has gotten a lot you know as i've as i've used the ipad more and as i've tried to do more productive things on it i I have realized more and more that this is not a device for me to be productive with like other people can do it good for them i it's not for me it's it really does not fit both the kind of work i do the kinds of needs i I sometimes have when i'm traveling and just the way i like to work it just it is not for me so i really want something small that i can travel with and the MacBook One obviously is is the way to go for optimizing for that, but that's just like too far in the other direction, and that would make me miserable every time I had to use it because I really hate the keyboard. It really doesn't have enough power for me, etc. The MacBook Pro is great, but huge, and so I I do I I, I do kind of want to bring it places less because of how big it is. Uh, so that's why I'm kind of thinking maybe I'll try the 13 inch this year uh, because I don't often need Xcode on on the go. For the few times I do, I, I could, you know, I'd be just fine on on a MacBook Air. I, I I've done it before. That's how I wrote half of Instapaper. So like I've done it before. I know I can do it. Lots of people do it every day. It's it's not like it's unheard of as long as it's Retina, Casey. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do iOS on non Retina. Damn it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's why I'm I'm kind of thinking about that this time. And you know, ask me again in six months when I say, oh God, I should have gotten the 15. But we'll see. And we don't know anything about these yet. So the 15 could be so compelling, I might just get it anyway. Um, or, or, or the 13-inch might, might be the, the star of the show. Uh, or the 13-inch could be really, you know, I could be wrong. The, the Retina Air might not exist. And then, you know, the 13-inch MacBook Pro is an option. But it's, you know, that's so close to the 15 in size and weight that I kind of might as well go 15 at that point. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I just I figured it was an interesting, waff, you know, Marco's waffling segment here. Uh, interesting that I was, I was considering <laughs> that uh, for the unexpected reason that processing the files from this new camera is so ridiculously much faster than processing them from the previous one. You get a keyboard for your iPad, like not that it'll make the terminal as good as it is in the Mac, but I my, a lot of my frustration is like, well, so the keyboard takes up half your screen. No, no, no. I I have the Apple Smart keyboard. Oh, and even then, you thought it wasn't. Uh, what, what was it an inferior experience? Other than the fact that you can't have multiple windows and like moving around and everything. I mean, part of it is that the Apple Smart Keyboard isn't a very good keyboard, and so there's things like there's no escape key, which when you're using Vim is kind of annoying. Uh, really? When doing That's a lot scary. of terminal work, it's kind of annoying actually. And, and there's one right on screen that I just have had to keep hitting, but it's just it's annoying. There's there's no escape key on the big. If you have the 12 inch iPad Pro, also no escape key on that keyboard. I don't know about that one, but on the 9.7 Smart Keyboard, there's no escape key. Um, and so that's that's annoying. Um, there's a couple other like missing missing keys that are kind of annoying to have. Also, one thing I found I don't know if this is a problem with prompt or the keyboard, but I it, I would very often get keystrokes that that would arrive in the terminal in the wrong order that that I type them, which is infuriating. Like it's <laughs> like it was very very difficult. I, I assume that maybe prompt isn't handling latency correctly in that case or something, or there's some problem between the keyboard and the iPad and prompt and the terminal. Like somewhere on the line, keystrokes were actually getting jumbled if, if you typed anything too quickly. And that sucks. That's something like that is not acceptable at all for terminal work. So, and also just, you know, co- the complexity of, of iPad multitasking, you know, not being, you know, being a lot more primitive than, than what you can get in a Mac if you want like multiple windows open and stuff like that. So it was just like, it's the kind of thing like in an emergency you could do simple things on it but i really would not want to and i I would much rather take out a mac and do it right and do it there what else is going on is anyone thinking of buying anything after the the apple event like marco i guess you're in the market for a laptop it sounds like but anyone else i actually i i do want airpods 
I I don't know. Oh, yeah, I guess I, I don't know if I'm going to end up being able to wear them comfort wise. Uh, but I I really do want to try them for their most likely incredible convenience. Uh, you know, to to be able to have as I mentioned before, like to be able to have headphones that I can literally put in this like large tic tac shaped box in my pocket and carry them somewhere without having anything in larger pockets or around my neck or in a bag like that is incredibly compelling for me so if i can do that at all i i want them um and comfort wise i i have low expectations i i hope i can wear them at all i don't expect them to be great i just hope i can wear them at all uh i do expect them to be very annoying in the lack of controls on them uh but i'm i'm hoping maybe that i can overcome that or just you know, tolerate it when I'm using them or, you know, start using the Apple Watch when I'm out walking my dog or something like that. Yeah, I'm not going to buy AirPods immediately after the event, but I think they're going on my holiday list because I'd really like to try a pair. And I think they'll come in handy from time to time, even if I don't use them regularly. Um, But I don't plan on buying any new hardware outside of potentially AirPods eventually based on the event um what about you john so my current plan is about six months from now after work has gone through all of their current inventory of macbook pros that they hand out to people i'm going to finally replace my mac at work and replace it with one of the new macbook pros which i hope what? i will be guaranteed to get at that point wow yeah, i have i have the same mac that i got the day i started at my job seven or so years ago 2009 mac pro it has never been upgraded our current upgrade cycle at work i forget what it is but i think it's really short it's like 18 months or something you can get a new computer or maybe it's two years i don't remember anyway um i'm kind of overdue it's seven or eight years <laughs> with with my computer so um they're not going to get me an imac they're not everyone gets laptops like i don't think that's even a choice and i don't think i can swing it by convincing them that i need to i wouldn't want a mac pro obviously at this point and i don't think i can convince them uh, about a 5k imac so i'm going to end up getting a laptop and the best laptop i can get is a 15 inch pro but i do not want one of the uh, current 15 inch pros for obvious reasons i want the new ones. so when the new ones are announced the clock starts ticking onto when is it safe for me at work to ask for a new computer <laughs> and to be able to get one of the new 15 inches because i don't want to ask for 15 inch and they have to give me an old one because it's just a whole big thing so there is a timer that will start on the 27th, most likely, but no immediate action. Oh, and I will probably, um, I'll look at the AirPods. Like, I, I'm still planning to upgrade my iPhone, still haven't been to the Apple store uh, to pick out a color, but eventually that will happen, and I'm almost certain I'm going to get the, iP- the Air- AirPods just to try them. The AirPods, whatever the hell they're called. Well, stop making rhyming <laughs> product names, Apple. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm almost guaranteed to get them because I like the current earpod things and I wanted a wireless thing. So that's probably going to happen. 